0: The SEC medias picks are in, and Mississippi State is, well, just about where Mississippi State almost always is. But do these Bulldogs deserve to be rated that lowly in the SEC West and the conference overall? No, and let's talk about it here in the Doghouse on the Believe Network. This is your host, David Murray, and thanks for rejoining us for another episode of the Doghouse. It's Monday, July 25th, and staring at my calendar, that means... Football camp is just about upon us. Uh, Mississippi State's players will assemble on August 4th, opening practice August 5th, and from there, they have most of a month to get ready for opening day, September 3rd, hosting the University of Memphis. Yeah, football is just about here. Now, of course, Coach Mike Leach and program have some uh, non-varsity business to take care of this coming weekend. Top Dog camp is coming up upon us on the 29th, our own Steve Robertson and Paul Jones will have much to report about. I might even myself try to sneak in and, you know, judge some of the action, even though, no, I am not a recruiting writer. No, I am not even authorized to talk to recruits, so it won't be to do anything like that. We will be talking recruiting in a general sense, though, because uh, in our next couple of days, we're going to have pieces with Charlie Winfield to the Bulldog Initiative about how, well, let's be blunt, how you, the Bulldog fan, and I, the Bulldog fan, as well as reporter, Need to get on the stick, helping out with the initiative, because recruiting through the initiative and aim image likeness, all those things, is about to become just about the core to college football, or at least getting a team assembled, and for that matter, keeping it together. More on that in a moment. First off, let's go back a couple days to SEC media days. Yes, I was there. Now, admittedly, only for the Tuesday session and the Tuesday afternoon session at that, I attended Mike Leach's uh, private press conference before the great big show in the college football fall of f- fame and talked to the three Bulldog players there, Austin Williams, Jaden Crumity, and Nathaniel Watson. Features on Crumedy and Watson, in fact, have already run on Gene's page, so you can check those out. And by the way, there were quite a few unhappy that Will Rogers did not attend media days by the selection of the coach and university. Well, count me among those who would have preferred to talk to the quarterback, but I'm going to say this. The three dogs who were there did an excellent job representing the program, representing their school, just plain representing themselves for the assembled SEC media and in the smaller group. In particular, Austin Williams, who has gained the reputation of being the dry, dull, and safe quote, I thought he was rather entertaining talking to him specifically about uh, various receivers in this group, the versatility, the differing talents. I even queried him on uh, who has the best vertical jump, who's the most physical, who would you least like to hit, who has the best hands, this, that, and the other. And Austin played along and gave me what I think is a pretty good story and enough material, too, that will be coming out in another couple of weeks when he talks about the misconceptions about the air raid offense, what it is and what it isn't. Thanks, Austin, for your help. Thanks, Jaden and Nathaniel for your comments as well. Mostly thank Coach Mike Leach and uh, PR Directors Brandon Langloy and Brian Ogden for making the coach available to us. And, you know, the reason we enjoy those talks is, A, it's going to be just the beat media that covers Mississippi State full-time. He did talk to a couple of outside radio hosts and shows, but generally it was just us who are around the program all the time and we want to ask questions specific about Mississippi State. Very little foolishness involved. Okay, and I won't name names, but one of our TV peers did have to sneak in a question about uh, some social media cuts of various SEC coaches dancing and asking Leach to rate them. Uh, he handled it with a aplomb, but you could tell that really wasn't what he came to Atlanta to talk about. No, he was there to talk about Mississippi State and the SEC, and he did it albeit not in an opening statement. He's gained quite a bit of notoriety for having the shortest opening statement this year, which in fact was no opening statement at all other than, okay, ask me some questions. Now, that makes a statement about the state of opening statements. Some coaches get up there and hope that they can answer all the questions in advance and just get it over and done with and maybe move on to more interesting stuff that media wants to know. Fat chance with that in today's media mindset. I cannot tell you how many times I have listened to an SEC coach, various sports, make a statement. And some way, midway through the interviews, a media member who darn well heard or should have heard what the coach talked about, come back to one of those things and ask specifically something that has already been talked about. Now, yes, I understand you want to get, quote, your own story. But really, guys, you make the rest of us look ugly in the process. And some coaches, quite frankly, are figuring that since they're on the clock, the longer they go in an opening statement, well, there's the fewer chances for unexpected or uncomfortable questions from the media. Neither approach is wrong. Leach's approach is different. But it really didn't go that badly, I thought, in the big room. Uh, There was the early detour into his Netflix picks recently. Now, it's good to know he's up to date on Yellowstone. And I'm watching 1883 right now, which I'm sure he's also seen. You know, of course, Leach having spent some time out in the mountains himself, that's going to be an appealing subject to him. He was asked about Texas and Oklahoma joining the league, and he pretty frankly said that uh, if you use geography and to, to realign things, and your, your easternmost teams are Alabama and Auburn in the SEC West, and you swap them, he said, well, that's probably a win. Now, does that mean he knows anything about the future of SEC scheduling that the rest of us don't right now? That's kind of a moodish point for now. Repeat for now. And did anybody else uh, catch the Muttley reference in there when he was talking about uh, the Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote, and he snuck in that? Am I the only one here that ever watched the Wacky Racers cartoon as a kid? (sighs) Am I giving away my age? Absolutely. Oh, and the question about... uh, Leach had often said that he might, why not just have a 64-team playoff for college football? And he was asked about that with conference expansions and additions and consolidations going on. And he joked back, well, wouldn't that be a conference championship tournament now? Okay, otherwise, I thought Leach handled himself quite well. The players did also. Main thing is, uh, Mississippi State got in, did their business, and got out without any perceivable damage. Did it help them in the voting? Well, probably not. Mississippi State was voted second to last in the SEC West. No huge surprise there, although you can say maybe it's a change of pace not being voted very last, but then that's what most people seem to think of the dumpster fire that seems to be Auburn football at the moment. Now, it's about that voting. I I meant many years without voting in this because I believe that since I'm only there covering Mississippi State and maybe hear one or two other coaches and groups of players at the time, I probably shouldn't vote. I abandoned that thesis this year simply because having watched how many guys vote that obviously have no clue what they're doing, well, I can't possibly be any worse prepared than they are. So I submitted my ballot. It's done in a computerized format, by the way, where you're handed a list of players to pick. You can write in your own, but honestly, who's going to do that that doesn't really know their own team deeply well? You make your picks and I Came out pretty good on my picks. Now I'm disappointed that Manuel Forbes only made third team All-SEC at cornerback. I voted for him at second team. I also voted for, let's see, Tyrus Wheat, defensive end slash linebacker. I voted for Louis Quinston Sharp as my number three center. Neither of them made it, of course. I voted for Tulu Griffin as a special teams uh, all-purpose player. He did not make it, but I think some people are missing the boat on him. That's probably more of a reference that, uh, especially in the SEC East, they just don't pay a whole lot of attention to what's happening after Alabama and maybe Texas A&M over on this side of the conference. I would purely prefer to think, if only for the sake of what remains of my profession, that whoever gave that first place vote to Vanderbilt from the East, it was just a misclick of the cursor on that selection system. Because if somebody intentionally tabbed the Commodores to win the SEC East, well, whether he was just being a wise guy, making fun of the selection process, I could understand that. Don't agree with it, but understand it. Or whether he's serious in thinking these Commodores are going to be that good, I'm sorry, his voting privileges, and I'm assuming it's a he, his voting privileges ought to be revoked permanently Either reason gives our group a bad look, and trust me, we're darn good at looking bad. Oh, and by the way, the SEC didn't publish that uh, by their own accounting since 1992, that's 30 preseason predictions, only nine times has a team picked to win the SEC championship game actually done it. I'm sure now the rate of teams predicted to win it playing in the championship game is much, much, much higher, but you get the point. These predictions increasingly aren't worth the... uh, virtual paper that they're put on. Now, if anybody conceivably cares, then why shouldn't you? Here's my own rundown of, of selections. Uh, and I, in the East, I went with Georgia, then Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. Uh, not a whole lot about that needs explaining other than my comparably low regard for Kentucky compared to my peers. They voted Kentucky to finish second in the SEC East. And I respect Mark Stoops' work greatly. I agree that Kentucky is just a whole different kind of cat when they're playing in Lexington, which just happens to be where Mississippi State has to go this October. But because of that, I'm just not sold on them coming out ahead of Tennessee for this season, and I just believe they're going to drop a road game or two. And that's just me, understand. Four place votes for the uh, Wildcats? Uh, I, that's a little tougher to understand, but I won't complain about it. I will say that three first-place votes for South Carolina. Hey, I love Shane Beamer. I enjoyed listening to him to talk. He was the coach and team that shared the afternoon with Mississippi State in Atlanta. And purely personally, I would love to see him someday walking the sidelines of Scott Field as head coach. That's just me again. But not this year. Not... <laughs> Uh, First place votes, uh, that's really also, that's not a whole lot better than picking Vanderbilt first. As for um, the West, well, there was no real comparable absurdity from my media group in that. And I'm not in the least surprised that Arkansas got one first place prediction. In fact, I'm kind of oppositely surprised because I understand the utter loyalty of that press corps. It's really kind of uh, impressive that the Razor did not pick up more first-place votes from those people. And maybe even a little surprising that Texas A&M, which was my selection to finish second, only got three. I guess it's just the overwhelming certainty in my mob that Alabama has this side locked down. That's what kept the voting reasonably honest, if you say, uh, including my own ballot, which ran Alabama, Texas A&M, LSU, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Auburn. Okay, maybe that's a little bit high for the Tigers, and more reflects my impression that Brian Kelly is going to get that program back on track. This year, it may take a little while for his offense to emerge, and you're darned right, Mississippi State must, must take week three advantage of that. Mississippi State fourth? Yeah, I'll get to that in just a moment, but frankly, once you get past Alabama, my own impression is we can take about five programs and pick them from the proverbial hat for an order finish. Or probably more wisely, and I should have done this but did not have time, they they put you on a clock when you're doing your selections, check out who plays who where and who doesn't play who anywhere. Two through six is going to be a matter of scheduling and injuries. I truly believe that this year. The seventh place, well, those fine folk down in the plains are probably trying to fire Brian Harson after the first scrimmage. Maybe even before the first scrimmage. Auburn, yeah, they got issues going on. Talent, but issues. So why am I picking Mississippi State fourth? It goes back to this. Yes, I'm openly prejudiced by being a little closer to this program than uh, sometimes encourages wisdom. I'm also known as a perennial, perennial pessimist, so take that into account as well. When I state here now, these Bulldogs are not a seller contending club in this SEC. Um And enough people decided to give them enough votes that they did come out ahead in an overall voting of Missouri, Auburn, and, yes, Vanderbilt. That's small praise you might say, and I'd agree because I think this team deserves a little more praise and has a chance to earn it. Even in this SEC West, even if Alabama runs away with the division, that doesn't diminish that the West is going to be a good side. Even Auburn, like I said, they have talent. They can play ball. They're going to knock somebody off. The West is good. So why am I saying the Bulldogs are good enough to vote them fourth, taking any kind of maroon tint out of my glasses, which I did wear that day, in fact? It's this. I referred to it a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to repeat the tone. Take a team that's got a quarterback who right now is only one yard behind the all-time season passing record in the SEC and did it in 13 games compared to 15 games for the other two. And he's also reaching the height of his powers now in his third year. Take a couple of running backs that have proven themselves receivers, are improving runners as well, and have a wildcard runner coming in who may be a better playmaker than both of them. Take an offensive line that got its key center back, has developed some depth in the interior, has some very versatile guards who can swing to either side as well as center, and even if they have to, play at tackle. Uh, take the tackle positions where, yes, you're replacing the starters, but you've got a guy who should have been starting the second half of last year anyway. You're plugging in a touted transfer or a guy who is finally reaching his own potential at the other tackle position. And then you got the wide receiver group. I mentioned talking to Austin Williams about the variety, the versatility, the numbers that Mississippi State has at those positions, slot and outside receiver alike. You take all that and you think, This has a potential to be a really good offense. Look on the defensive side. You've got a front defensive line built around Jaden Cromedy and Nathan Pickering, sometimes at the same time, mostly in rotation. A guy in Tyrus Sweet who could rush any passer anywhere, especially if those interior guys tie up the blocking. From the other side, you're going to have Jordan Davis, who is now healthy and ready to go. You've got some depth developing on the defensive line, still somewhat raw, But uh, we got Randy Charlton, of course, a veteran there to plug in and play. And some skinny guys behind him are only going to add weight, muscle, and strength as time goes on. You got Nate Watson anchoring the middle linebacker position with Jet Williams beside him at interior, of course, freeing up Wheat to be an outside rush threat anywhere. The secondaries, you got the safety position is now run by the coordinator himself to upgrade them with a couple of transfers, and some the guys who Well, they've got to play better because they can't possibly play any worse at this stage of their careers. A maturity finally ought to kick in. And again, if that front five can get some things done, it makes their job a heck of a lot easier at the safety positions. You've got Forbes and a transfer and others in the corner positions. You've got a couple of transfer kickers coming in who look good in spring. Okay, you take all of that and you change the name on the jersey and present that lineup that skill set, that resume to the media core and one of those blind resume things that you see so often during basketball season and tell them, where would you pick this team compared to other teams? I am absolutely certain that they would be rated no worse than fourth in the SEC West this year. And I do mean a good SEC West this year. But because it's Mississippi State on the jersey, well, old impressions die hard. In fact, old impressions are never going to die. Get over it. Just get used to it. And Bulldogs have learned to understand that as well. And go out there and play up your abilities. And this team can certainly do that. Stay healthy. Stay together. Make some things click on the offensive side. Get those receivers to play up to their own talents now. Let Will Rogers throw the way he's supposed to throw. By the way, he's up to two postseason awards already not just the awards given only to quarterbacks, one for the Offensive Player of the Year period. Both your running backs are now up for the Doak Walker Award, just as they were last year, and Mississippi State is the only program in the country to have a pair of backs going for that honor. Quinston Sharp, who I mentioned, is up for the uh, Remington Trophy as well as the um, watch list season continues, more coming out the defensive sides in the coming days. This has the potential to be a very good team. I'm predicting right now, and this is not my final prediction, so don't write this down and hold me to it, where I'm going to watch camp, watch for injuries, watch for things to develop, and make final predictions. But even as of now, anything less than eight wins is going to be a serious disappointment. And it may move up to nine wins after watching camp. Who knows, even more. So that's why I come out of media days thinking, why don't they just let me pick some of these dadgum things? I, I, me and about 20 media members who I know could get together and write a pretty accurate one through seven in each division and then one through 14 overall prediction for this conference in all SEC team. Doesn't happen that way. Too bad. So sad. Never mind. That's uh, media days for this year. And I mentioned Top Dog Camp is on the way. Well, that means recruiting is picking up speed again. Again. I noticed that Mississippi State now has another commitment. Last week, uh, we said it was eight, and now it's nine total with another big body, and this time a really big body as tackle prospect Joe Cocker. I'm sorry, Joe Crocker. Uh, Raise your hand and show your age if you read Cocker in there when it first came out like I did. It's okay. You'll get by with a little help from... never mind. Uh, Joe Crocker from Franklin. Yes, I'm aware State's committed class is all three stars. That's for now, because some of these fine young fellas are going to get upgraded after their senior seasons or when SEC peers start trying to pick them off from Mississippi State, as surely is going to be attempted and may even happen. Funny how that works in the star ranking system, the composite systems especially. Well, Mike Legion of staff know it. They're going to contend with it. And by the way, that's why, among other things, football facilities are being tweaked for player amenities. I mean, sure, name, image, likeness, is if not already certainly about to be the biggest factor with the top tier prospects maybe even the second tier prospects as well to get them deciding where they want to play college at if they're given the choices of course but to be blunt again all guys have got to sign somewhere someday whatever their name image likeness outlooks and as we mentioned the cut in scholarships now what was it 20 percent fewer this past year than the year before were given to high school kids or junior college players and favor of transfers, that just makes the retention game all the more important. Recruiting it is gonna include retention phase, where the campus, the program aspects, like Mississippi State is doing, an upgraded meal room. Something as simple as that can definitely factor into a fellow staying around or not. Which leads us to the topic of the Bulldog Initiative. I had a chance to sit down with Charlie Winfield, um, let's see, Friday afternoon. I'm sorry, Friday morning it was in his office. I've been trying to arrange this interview for several weeks. I'm glad it took as long as it did because A, it gave me time to prepare more intelligent questions for him as more about NIL takes shape, and B, it gave him time to have more hard news to report when the context of it. Because, like he explained off the record, um, I don't mean he kept it secret, just we were talking before we were talking about some of the things going on and the grind of just getting credit card donations set up required a heck of a lot of time there. seems so simple, it doesn't. And remember, this is a Mississippi limited liability company. So this is not a tax write-off type of donation that you're making to the initiative. If that matters to you, well, sorry. If it doesn't matter to you and it shouldn't, didn't to me, you just uh, keep going with it. But that's an example of all the things that have to be done to start a true collective like the Initiative, and the Initiative is absolutely a collective. I want to address one thing right here, right now. When you see your number, if you sign up online, do not, do not take that number as a sign of, oh, I'm the X number person to sign up for this. That's not true. A whole lot of donations have been made either in person, by a check. Yeah, there's some of us who still write actual on-paper checks, believe it or not, by credit card, by just uh, verbal promises, all sorts of things. So there are many more people signed up for it than is showing. How many more? I didn't ask for specific numbers because, frankly, that would mislead people into thinking, oh, it's so small, or oh, they don't really need me because it's getting big fast. Don't think that way. Every individual donor counts. Everyone matters in this. But it was a good talk with Charlie, and the main thrust I wanted to go with him was, A, explain what an initiative is and what it isn't, which may be the bigger issue in some people's minds. They don't fully understand how this works, how it operates under the laws of the state of Mississippi and where that compares to other states around and across the country, how it operates in conjunction with Mississippi State without being a part of Mississippi State, i.e., keeping it legal. Oh, he had an interesting comment in there about uh, some of the things they're not allowed to do, such as uh, directly making propositions to prospects or encouraging fellows to transfer. He came out and said it. There, the NCAA is already after a number of people who have already attempted that. So just because the NCAA is a fading entity, don't think it's out of the game entirely. Now, what they can realistically do about it, I don't know. But you don't want to run a file of them because this is a bad stage to be messing around until things have fully shaken out. Uh, we also talked about, um, again, the relationships to state and whether Mississippi State approves of this. Of course, they do. Uh, things like use of uh, Mississippi State's own images, likenesses, uh, word marks, all sorts of things, how they're going to market it within those contexts, and Mississippi State, again, has been very accommodating in this. They haven't just said, no, you can't use our Banner M logo. No, you can't use the cross-handed dog batting logo. You can't do things like that, especially, say, if you're a player hosting a camp back in your hometown as an active Bulldogs. Yeah, you can wear the gear. I did Now, let me say this. I did not ask him how Adidas would look upon any of these players Um, say, sponsoring some other type of branding gear, whether it's shirts, caps, whatever. That's a pretty tricky subject. I suspect they wouldn't be allowed to because Mississippi State has that contract with Adidas, and that still extends certainly to the coaches. To the players, I can't say for sure, but i got to think it would be very much discouraged by the university of course, uh, I didn't ask him about morals clauses, but that's, that is assumed. You run a file of either the state of Mississippi laws or NCAA rules, uh, the collective and your deal falls through, and it's your own fault. Everybody's going to be taken care of in those regards. There were things we didn't address that you may be interested in. I'm sorry I couldn't get to everything, but it was a truly a full half-hour interview on the recorder, and the transcript starts running on Monday. The second part will be on Tuesday read it, and I think it will give you a better understanding, again, of how the initiative operates, what it intends to do, including, I ask him, what's the weirdest question you've got? And, uh, well, I'll let you read it for yourself and find out. I wanted that answer to that. But he does address quite a few of the major misconceptions of what an initiative can and cannot do, what it is and what it is not. So I enjoyed Charlie giving me that time. Uh, we'll be following up with him in the future. Specifically, I think about things like, um, you know, how are you tied to, say, Mississippi State's deals with outside equipment providers or such. By the way, he is getting permission through State's rights holder in broadcasting and marketing, i.e. Learfield, to be able to advertise, to get it up on the Jumbotron during games, be perfectly legal. And it's not Mississippi State doing it, it's Learfield. If this sounds complicated, well, it is, and that's why it's good to have a full-time, experienced lawyer at the helm. He's not doing it by himself, although sometimes to look at him and the the grind showing, you'd think he was doing all the work. No, he's got a team working on it now. It's going to grow. And we're also looking into uh, how we can help promote and publicize it without getting directly involved ourselves, because we, as an entity, yes, we're an independent site. We're not owned by CBS, we're just affiliated with CBS, but uh, we don't want to run any foul of any contract dealings there as well. Complicated? Yeah, a whole lot more. But you know what? This was all opened up when NIL began. Oh, and we also addressed the question, what happens if the NCAA totally loses control or just more likely seeds control of top-level football, maybe all top-level sports? Are collectives even necessary at that point? I think you'll find his answer there very instructive. So what else is going on? Well, there's baseball recruiting wrapping up after the draft, which also went on while I was at Media Days. Um, Steve and Robbie did a great job covering it. Again, the talk that Steve had with Coach Chris Lamonis is very informative as far as where State stands post-draft with both the active roster and the incoming prospects. It looks like Mississippi State avoided any serious damage to the signing class other than the expected the loss of shortstop Chet Williams, well, they knew that was going to happen. God bless him. I hope he has a great pro career like Austin Riley has and other dogs who I still call them dogs. They signed. They never played here, but in our program's mind, they're still Diamond Dogs out there. But otherwise, State came through the draft in excellent shape. Now it's just a matter of uh, getting the – Last transfer in, and we're going to wait on what Paul Skeens is still doing. He's, Steve really believes it's going to come down to Mississippi State, LSU, and Arkansas, although Oregon State has tried to get into the picture. Vanderbilt has been there as well. You pull that one off, and you've got a transfer class to go to the recruiting class that can rank with anything Mississippi State has ever signed before. That will be followed up during the course of this week as well because the deadline for signing with Major League Baseball is August 1. Coming up fast, ain't it? Also coming up fast is preseason football. As we mentioned, it's not that far away, so my kindly advice is grab what breaks you can. You know, Use this coming weekend or two as a chance to get together with family, go do the things that you put off all during the summer because summer is running out quick for all of us. That includes me. But that's what I'm here for, ready to cover me some Bulldog football practice. Oh man, there was a time when I would have said, the last thing I want to do is cover a football practice because I've done it for so long. I'm actually looking forward to football practice this year and enjoying seeing what this team looks to be capable of once the real season gets going. And of course, we'll be talking about it here in the Doghouse on the Believe Network. This is your host, David Murray. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll have more information for you in coming days about all sorts of Bulldog sports. And yes, ultimately, we will be turning our attention to what's going on inside and around Humphrey Coliseum because good things are taking shape for Bulldog basketball as well. Thanks again, and we'll be talking to you soon.